before you get off the golf course today, you could have some moments that will change the course of your life. Hello and welcome to Golf Practice Podcast. My name is Andy Hayes. With me is Pete L. Pete Leinenweber. Do you have any other monikers? Uh, I used to be called L. Webb as a kid. Long ball. L. Webb. L. Webb. My brother and I were called that when we played in our back in our baseball days. L. Webb. L. Webb. I see it. Wow. Yeah. Lining, lining Kugel, Kugs, whatever. You, there's a lot of different okay. ones. Yeah. 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 And also Peter Donahue. Peter Donahue. Thank also you very known much. as the Godfather yeah. of Golf. Do you have any other nicknames? Any no. other monikers? No, no, none that I'm going to bring up <laughs> this time. <laughs> but you prefer Peter, correct? Well, you know, um, uh, my mother always called me Peter. My father called me Pete, unless he was angry with me. And Same. So. Um, so in any case, I have no objection to Peter. I mean, I do have an objection to Peter, actually. I mean, <laughs> very few guys, you know, have, have a name that has a verb attached to it, like, yeah, and then it just petered out. Yeah. Like, wow, really? I mean, I prefer the, you know, the Catholic uh, Peter being the rock. The rock. Which we build the church. First pope. <clears throat> but, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, it does have a different... It's, it's a different name, Pino Pete versus Peter. You know, it's like, yeah. If in the Bible, like, so you don't. His disciples, you know, Jesus, yeah. Bartholomew, Matthew, and Pete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wore it. That carries you a little different a, weight. Yeah, a wife beater. <laughs> so you don't have a preference. No, I don't. I don't have a preference. Yeah. No. It's just, it's like one of those, just don't call me late for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. Peter, I have a question for you. Um, Yesterday, no, not yesterday. A week or two ago, I saw you take my persimmon driver out of my bag, and you took the head cover off and admired it and wiggled it around a little bit. Just curious. What kind of feeling? What's going through your mind? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I have in my, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, that's how I grew up you know, playing with that club or uh, with a club like that. And I have my, you know, my uh, old um, uh, Ram custom made driver, you know, that sits in a golf bag in our front room. And, uh, and it's a, it is a, it's a different deal, you know, when you when you look at it and you feel it and you wag it and you know the head feels different. It certainly looks different. And you know, I recall the days when the drivers that we swing now, uh, you know, people would always say back in those days, you know, it feels like I've got a toaster on the end of a stick. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now, you know, of course, I'm well used to it. Uh, to the to uh, Nike, the old Nike driver. Or no, do I have a new driver? No, I don't think so. Um, and uh, people would say, "Oh, that's a weird sound." You know, it doesn't feel doesn't sound weird to me. You know, it's all what you're used to, and so I've gotten used to it over the years. And so, uh, so at any rate, I did feel, you know, um, I feel I felt a kinship to that uh, driver of yours, and. Um, and challenged by it, it sort of called to me like, "Do you think you could hit me?" 
<laughs> Did you uh, try? No, 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 no. I will, but, you know, um, <clears throat> but um, I got to work up to it a little bit. I've sure. still got a little more physical work to do before I feel feel good about swinging again. I'm getting there. Getting, yep. Saw my guy yesterday. He said, dude, got mobility in your rib cage. You got the ability to, you know, breathe and keep your diaphragm relaxed down. It's like you're making changes. And but man, it's it's a slow process. Three years. Well, you're pretty committed to it. I feel like every time I come in here I see you do some sort of stretching. Yeah. No, I you know, no, I definitely am. You know, I, I you know, I we're gonna get into this subject again today, I'm sure, based on the clues Andy has given mm-hmm. me about what we're going to talk sure. about today. So, no, it's um, I have a practice. You know, I'm developing a practice of exercise, and I'm and I'm you know I'm uh, I'm I've always been uh, lazy about it, and um, and now I'm becoming less lazy about it. <laughs> That's cool. That's yeah. great. Pete, anything new with you? Um, you've been you've been practicing the, your persimmon. I've never yeah. seen you with a modern club in your hand. I uh, I haven't pr- I haven't put a ton of actual practice in, but I've been playing a little bit with you. We've had some matches recently. I I think I'm like one for our last ten or something like that. We've gone we've gone to the wire, gone to some playoffs, but I've switched to almost a hundred percent to a fade off the tee with the persimmon, which is you know, almost against my, every belief in my being. Um, I've always played, or I've played a draw for what it feels like my whole life, and I just wasn't able to hit it or haven't been able to hit it with the persimmon. So I feel like I have a little more, it doesn't go as far, but I have a little bit more, um, I don't think control does it justice, but I feel a little more comfortable now, at least in the last couple of weeks with a, you know, 15-yard fade. Yeah. Cool. How about you? Oh, I've never been, never swung any club better than this. Really? Persimmon, yeah. Can't well, now you got the putter, too. I <coughs> also got a persimmon putter Yeah. From Todd, Todd Dempsey, yeah. who's on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, our only guest we ever have, <laughs> ever will have. First. Um, first. First, yeah. First of many. But, I mean, it's okay. I'm not, not interested in anyone else. You know, got a text that said, said Steinberg that was the email address and it was like my client wants to be on your podcast you know I assume he meant Tiger Woods Mark Steinberg sure is, yeah I said no I wow said, yeah. <laughs> so um That's so we mix. don't really talk professional golf yeah yeah I'm interested in we're talking real golf yeah his, yeah exactly we don't talk we don't talk people who play as Todd said those cheat, cheater clubs so cheater clubs um, that is a quote he said yeah yeah uh no, I so I my process. I've had a good a good process of it. Of like last year, I hit persimmon indoors, not not accurately at all. I'm just kind of all over the place. So this year, the first thing I just developed was just like a smooth swing that would just be a fa- a low fade, like every time. And it'd be like a two ten carry and like a two fifty total. And it was like you know I could just do it over and over. And so that's I mean like. If you watch Pete and I play, it's kind of like 
I will hit that. It's like 210 carry, and he will hit like sometimes like a 280 carry <laughs> after. And when you hit it, one good. Yeah. You roll your eyes. One but out like, of well, one out But of you did one yesterday that was that yeah. out, that out, but then. Then like, lost the hole. But then you lost the hole. <laughs> so it's a fun, it's just a fun, like, uh, just a fun w- way to kind of go about it. But then I've started, uh, you know, as I've gotten comfortable, like, work on s- s- hitting up on it, trying to, like, close the face a little more so I can hit, like, a straight high ball that, like, can carry, like, 240 or 250. So I've got, like, two shots with it, which I, which I like a lot. So. I mean, you know. Well, it sounds like, you know, becoming a major league pitcher, huh? Mm-hmm. I'm developing a yeah. second pitch. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> That's great. But I'm interested in developing more and just seeing, like, can, this summer, can I, like, consistently play good golf with, say, like, fewer clubs and with, a, like, a wooden driver? Yeah. At for, it's almost like for, um, for, for an experiment, really, to see, like, what, what's the most important thing to play good golf like what skills do you have to have to do that mm-hmm. right the common story that everyone tells is when you have to, you know you hit it far you have new equipment but like i think we all know by now that you know we did kind of disagree with that there's more to being really good at golf and then like how could you identify those those things more more obviously right things like i don't know being able to recover being able to you know, stand up to adversity, um, be creative, things like that, yeah. that I think are important skills that we almost don't, they're almost kind of seen as side skills and not as uh, the most important things. Yes. Yes. I think by John Q. Public, that's right. You know, I always, um, you know, back in the day, there was a book written uh the 50 greatest golf lessons, and I forget who put it together, but the very first lesson, I think it was John Jacobs, or or maybe he was just, uh, he was just lined up as the very first lesson, and the very first lesson in that book was creativity, Hmm. which, you know, kind of got, kind of got taken out of the game by um, the modern equipment. You know, ball that curved less, Sweet spot that got bigger, and um, and you were able to you know launch the ball, and it became more of a of a launching game, you know where full swing was it. Even if you were hitting a wedge, you know like I'm going to hit this thing full. And so people got dumber. I mean, really, um, as far as like golf being you know, a creative game and being able to adapt and, you know, to win conditions and, you know, different things. And, uh, you know, but it was, uh, it was because of marketing, you know, because, because we complain about all the things that make golf challenging, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and and the marketer said, Oh, well, let's see if we can eliminate all those complaints. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a certain to that point. There's a, one of the club, major club companies right now. I think their tagline is forgiveness. Oh yeah, there you like go. that's literally they're they're doing exactly what you're yeah, what you're saying exactly. Like well, you don't have to hit it off the center of the face, but it's still going to go far. No, absolutely. You know, it's like the most forgiving. You know, the the clubs <coughs> that they always had, the wedges. You know, with mm-hmm. the bounce and 
you know, yeah. get out of the bunkers. You can still be a crap golfer, but this thing will somehow. Yeah, yeah you don't need to carry you practice or take lessons. We'll just <laughs> buy this club and you'll be good. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's again my friend that used to run Northwestern Golf, which is. At, at, at the time, the most profitable and successful golf manufacturing company in the world, located right here in Chicago on Ravenswood Avenue, Leroy Rosasco. Some clubs we make for playing, and some clubs we make for selling. <laughs> there you go. That's great. Um, cause for me, wouldn't I guess like Pete and I are maybe in agreement on this? Wouldn't you want to know like, if you could just change from a modern modern equipment to equipment? basically from 30 or 40 years ago and shoot about the same score isn't that's actually kind of a big deal because it means we've like the story we're telling about what makes successful golf isn't tr isn't true yes yes that's you see that's what i'm true. saying like no mm -hmm. why don't we why aren't we asking these questions like well they, you're you're talking about you're talking about major leagues andy i mean you and peter are, are you know let, let, let's let's say we're not talking about tournament golf, okay? Right, as sure. the major leagues, yeah. we're talking about a consciousness, yeah. You know where you guys crave a certain challenge that most golfers would go say, forget it. I don't need that challenge. Mm -hmm. I don't want to play that game. I just want to hit forgiveness. I just want to beat my buddies, and I want to hit the ball and see it soar, and I don't want it to go in the trees. And, you know, I don't need the challenge that you guys are going after. You guys are, I, you I guys think, are high up No, there. but my hypothesis, though, is that it's, it is a challenge, but it's not, like, that much of a challenge, that, like, you're not losing as much as you think. Ah. That's what I'm saying. It, it ah. would be one thing if it's, like, Okay, we have the forgiveness driver that goes 300 down the middle every time, and so I'm choosing that, or I'm choosing this old driver that doesn't go straight ever. That's that's a different story than the one I'm I'm saying. I'm saying what? Yeah, if like it's, you, it, you were able to hit a persimmon, like you. And I mean, we are. It's not like yeah. it's impossible to hit. Yeah, that's what that's I mean. What it saying. is. I'm saying Fair. it's like okay, so this is a little bit shorter. Mm -hmm. It definitely on like a miss hit. It just it loses distance, but it doesn't it doesn't like snap hook and go like a hundred yards offline like a modern driver does. So there's some trade off in accuracy, uh, and so it's like there. I'm just trying to say they're more in the ballpark than everyone thinks. Huh. Yeah. And so if that's actually true, and if you actually can go and shoot the same scores with it, wouldn't wouldn't you want to find that out? Because I mean, I guess you're right. Maybe some people just don't want to find that out. But to me, yeah. it's it's like, well, then everything I've been told or taught or marketed to is not not the story. You've awakened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's true. But, I mean, you really have. And it, it's important to note, too, though, that you and I are, are you know, lucky to be able to to do this or have a better opportunity to be able to try something like this, something unorthodox like a wood driver or like less than 14 clubs. I'm not saying that it's not possible for the average player, yeah. the person who doesn't work in the golf business, who can't take swings, you know, a few times a week. They're only playing that one Saturday morning round with their friends. Like they're less likely to make that jump because they're just 
they only get that one round a week or even one round every two weeks. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Sure. And that was really, that was, you know, that's always been the, as I was growing up, always been the beef about golf is it's too damn hard, you know, for the average mm-hmm. guy to, oh, sorry, um, <clears throat> for the average guy or gal to, um, to get into. It's, it's inaccessible. So the new equipment, you know, makes it more accessible uh, to people to go out and enjoy. And so, you know, I got no, I got no beef with any of that. It's just when the marketers, you know, turn, turn the truth into, you know, their truth yeah. and not the truth, you know, that's what I object yeah. to. You know, it's a... And, you know, we've talked about it before, shiny new bats, you know, Carmen, the club fitter, the par excellence, you know, makes great arguments for, you know, why wouldn't you if you could have the the club that was perfectly fit for you? Why wouldn't you? And, you know, um, hey, that's that's all great, you know. I think that the you know as I, you know you discovered with the persimmon and I discovered with the hickory shafts, it's really not that different, you know, not as different as everybody would have led you to believe. Yeah, they're making people make it seem like you're going from a metal baseball bat to a pencil. Yeah, <laughs> like you're you're. It's still a bat. It's still a tool that's that. I mean, you're able Function. to hit the shot. Yeah, and it you know, functions the same. My way. wife Kate, we went to Florida this for over um, Christmas, and um, we went to the driving range. And I, I didn't give her like an official lesson by any means, but I, we, I was helping her out a little bit. And she probably swings a golf club once a year, maybe. Um, and she's like, "I want to hit your persimmon." And I was like, at first, I was like, in my head, I was exactly who I'm, who I'm talking about. People thinking like, oh, it's going to be so hard to hit. Like, I don't want you to be frustrated is what I'm thinking. And I think I said that out loud, too. And she's like, no, just let me hit it. And she did. And it took her a couple tries. And then she got a good one. Like, a person who never plays golf, who really doesn't know, truly know the difference between a persimmon wood and a modern driver, doesn't really care what the difference is, just swung it the same way she swung the other driver, hit it the same way too so it's like it's not basically what i'm saying is it's not impossible to hit this club it's it's certainly a little bit harder and you're not going to hit it as far and maybe not as accurate over over time but it's possible to hit it's not as not as big of a difference as as someone some people might believe i mean people aren't good at hitting driver anyway that's that's true that's true i'm sure you've got plenty of students drivers their worst club yeah i have no idea what to do with it the ball sure. sometimes sometimes i mean i'm sure you've both seen this like driver they've hit the ball so far away from the center of the face that it with a persimmon it would be a swing and a miss <laughs> right but they're not at no one would actually swing and miss with the persimmon right i think they're just confused it's something about how big it is is not the easiest thing yeah. to hit so um yeah yeah right. no no when i was a kid you know, I'm, you know, I could driver that flat face and that big head. I mean, I would, you know, those were in the persimmon days. You know, I mean, no, I swung a lofted wood for a long time <clears throat> before I ever swung a 11 degree driver. Um, 
that's what it was, and that was standard in my day. No, very definitely. Um, you know, yeah, you're right. It's hard to hit, and most people, when that's, they're beginning, should not should not be hitting it. Yeah, you know. And I think it's it's definitely different if you're. I wouldn't, you know, recommend my high school or college golfers like play a persimmon driver right now, you know, and go try to win a tournament. But maybe after, you know, maybe once their competitive career is done, it could be an interesting way to see golf for them and oh, give different, yeah. a different option as to what this game is. It's like, okay, if you're in, if you're in mode where like your primary way of playing golf is like trying to win a tournament or win money or win a scholarship mm -hmm. that's a different that's not the majority of what golfers are trying to do no and so for the rest it's like hey here's a different way to do it that's actually not as hard and maybe actually yeah. more interesting than than what you've you're marketed to believe that's a great point like you mentioned about high school and college players because i remember when i finished my last season in college like the summer afterwards i was was kind of lost for a little bit because I was like my whole the last 10 years of my life were dedicated to getting better for the season for the tournament season that's what the goal was when I was going out and playing for fun with my friends or when I was going out to the driving range whatever it was my the, in the back of my head that was my goal and then all of a sudden that goal's gone and you kind of like well what now what's next yeah. so for a while there, I was kind of lost, and I'd forgotten how how golf is just supposed to be fun. It's just that's why I fell in love with the game in the first place, and it took a while to, you know, find my way back to that. And the persimmon, the half set, stuff like that are really good, fun, new challenges for me to keep. You know, it's something to strive for, I guess, and that kind of fills that void, that competitive void that came about. Yeah. Well, I think you said it. You know, the f fun is in the challenge. Right. And, uh, you know, as <clears throat> um, people that are in the field of studying human behavior, you know, have said that optimal experience is setting the challenge at a sweet spot for you, you know, where it's going to take everything you got, but it's doable. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, and um, and there are certain other parts to it that, uh, like rules and feedback and things like that, that can create that. But that's that's what you guys are going for. You know, you're going for that challenge that puts you in that that mode by reducing the number of clubs in your bag, forcing you to be more creative, taking out a you know a more challenging sweet spot with a persimmon club that you've got to hit more exactly. And, um, you know, so you're, that's, that's part of the genius of your, of play is to find that place, you know, where you're peaked in your interest and stretched. Yeah. I mean, speaking of enjoying golf, you've, it's a good segue to our topic for today. We've gotten there. We made wow. it 23 minutes in. <laughs> We didn't talk about soccer this time. It's okay. <laughs> we do these New Year's resolutions every year where we write pieces of paper and everyone writes, you know, we encourage all our students to write down their golf goals for the year, their things they want to accomplish and things about like their approach to the game. Uh, most 
not most, a lot of people in their approach to the game section, they write down, I want to enjoy golf, like enjoy the game. <laughs> and to me, it's a strange, it, it's a strange phenomenon. This is our second or third year of doing it. And so it's, it keeps coming up over and over. And I guess this year I'm just a little bit confused now, I'm not confused that they said it because it's a very common thing that people say, but I'm just wondering what are we, we as a golf community doing wrong that it's a resolution to actually try to enjoy this thing that we're spending our time on. I'm sure the time and money, time and money. Yeah. But the people who, you know, the people who like to go to the movies every week, you know, they don't make a new year's resolution. Like I want to enjoy going to the movies. <laughs> <laughs> Or NFL fans don't say, I want to enjoy the NFL this year. Yeah. It's like they just they just do it. And so why do you do you guys have any do you have any thoughts or guesses as to first of all why why people say this? Well, you just made a good point about going to the movies because when you sent us that text last night of the topic, I was thinking about other things that I enjoy to do mm-hmm. and outside of golf. And the first thing that came to my head, which is we've talked about on the podcast before, is bowling. I love bowling. I've gotten. I'm not. I'm not going to say that I'm. You know, super into bowling. You had a clean game, didn't you? I did. My first ever clean game, and then I had a chance last week when I bowled yeah, for another one. That's high level. People. But again, like it's not. My enjoyment is not predicated by my performance, and obviously that plays a, a role in it. Certainly, like if I shoot my best ever score, or if I have a good night of, of bowling, I'm going to feel a little bit better. But like bowling's bowling it's fun i just enjoy it i enjoy the challenge of it maybe i'll get so far into bowling that someday out my new year's resolution will be to enjoy bowling again but i doubt that so my point is why i'm I'm confused also by those people that have spent you know i I would imagine some of the people that wrote down their resolution of wanting to enjoy golf they've been playing for most of their lives yeah does that mean that they don't enjoy golf like and they haven't for that entire time i doubt that but (laughs) why are they writing that down i'm 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 not, I don't have an answer. I'm just, I'm confused, I guess, the same as you. Like, what do you think, Pete? Why do, why don't those, why do those people, of all the things they could write down, they said that they want to enjoy golf? Well, I think it's, I think we've touched on it <clears throat> before, and that is that um, the you know the the quote there's a quote in the golf in the kingdom that we've quoted very often and that is that golf is a place to practice fascination the next line is it's slow enough to concentrate the mind and complex enough to require our many parts and uh, in that it is a microcosm of the world's larger discipline now at the end of that that idea of the world's larger discipline, you know, that sounds very po- poetic, but what does it mean, uh, really? And, um, you know, I picked up a, a, a book recently. It's interesting because I, how I picked it up was out of my bookshelf, and as I l- leaf through it, I see that I bought it in 1995. So now 27 years later... And as there's an old saying that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, and it's it's old advice. It was written by a, an MD. Uh, he's a doctor of psychiatry, and the first section 
is titled Discipline. And, um, and it starts, Problems and Pain. Life is difficult. That is a great truth, one of the great truths that the Buddha pointed out. It is a great truth because once we truly see this truth, we transcend it. Once we truly know that life is difficult, once we truly understand and accept it, then life is no longer difficult. Because once it's accepted, the fact that life is difficult no longer matters. Most do not fully see the truth that life is difficult. Instead, they moan more or less incessantly, noise, noisily or subtly, about the enormity of their problems, their burdens, and their difficulties, as if life were generally easy, as if life should be easy. They voice their belief, noisily and subtly, that their difficulties represent a unique kind of affliction that should not be, and that has somehow been especially visited upon them, or else upon their families, their tribe, their class, their nation, their race, or even their species, but not upon others. I know about this moaning because I have done my share. And, and he begins Come to on. talk about, you know, discipline. And that discipline, he says, most of us are not, are in some degree or another, not completely mentally healthy. We're all a little bit off. Mm -hmm. and, and that there are four things that, um, that are, four disciplines that are just tools that are required to become healthy. And the four of them are the, um, the ability to delay gratification and the, uh, uh, the willingness to take responsibility and the dedication to truth and then balancing. And the, 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 the first one, that, that uh, being able to delay gratification, has, has everything to do with being puzzled and confused. And, and he says that that's, that's something that's very difficult for a lot of human beings to do, and it certainly is true in golf. It's like, you know, you're working and... We, we don't enjoy the struggle because somehow it's been marketed to us that since we've been complaining about it so much, the marketers have stepped up and sa said, we'll solve that problem for you instead of embracing it like you guys are doing, right? The game is more challenging for you, you know, with your fewer clubs and with your more precise equipment needs. You have embraced that struggle. And the fact that, Andy, you've talked about the fact that, you know, you couldn't hit it very good. Or you, Pete, you said, I, you know, I couldn't hit it with a draw. You know, well, how come that didn't discourage you? You know, why did you not turn away from that? Why did you keep working? Because somehow you guys have, are, are healthy in that regard, that you're willing to stand uh, and be confused and work through that. And you take that as part of the enjoyment of what you're doing. Whereas there are many people who aren't as mentally healthy as you are. Wow. I feel like we could unpack that. What, what book is that, Pete? 
It's uh, the road less traveled. I, yeah. I, it's interesting as I look over here on the bookshelf, I see a book entitled The Road Less Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't right. know if it's the same author, but no, it looks different. That's a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's written. We could by, do a whole a whole podcast on that page alone, I think. Oh, listen, believe me. I mean, just the next few pages. I mean, uh, to me, it was like, as I said, it's, uh, it was, it was, it's really uh, been a. Something that I. So he's saying that in life people don't embrace life's difficulty and that causes like suffering. They think it should be easy. Yeah, they think it should mm -hmm. be easy. So then you're saying the same thing for golf goes like they think it should be easy. They don't embrace the difficulty of it. And so they get frustrated or angry or discouraged. So then they make a New Year's resolution like I just want to enjoy the game more. Right. But actually, they're not getting at the root of the problem. Yeah, right? the fact that or they're the trying to, or they're, or the, they're trying to, enjoy, their lack of enjoyment didn't come from them not wanting to enjoy golf. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. like last year they were like, I, I don't want to enjoy golf this year, but I'm still going to do it next year. It's like I want to enjoy it. No, it's like they had similar goals both times, but now they're just like, oh, I realize that I don't maybe enjoy myself as much as I'd like to. And so I want to do that more, yeah. but actually it's not, you can't like try to, you can't just be like, I'm going to be happier tomorrow. No. As you've mm -hmm. said, as you said, uh, notably in these podcasts, you know, the decision to go out and say, I'm just going to enjoy myself has led you into places that are unsatisfying yeah. and, and, uh, and, you know, not, not where you want it to be so you know by your own experience that, that that's a that's a, a blind alley mm -hmm. you know it's really being able to you know i as i told i read hogan's biography and it's it, it's been rolling around in my mind for a long time you know hogan famously said uh to one of the major magazines that I've found the secret, you know, well, uh, the secret, everybody, he didn't, he didn't tell anybody what the secret was. Well, he may have, he might've actually done it because he did write the book, the five modern fundamentals mm -hmm. and, uh, and what he, or the, uh, modern fundamentals, five lessons. Cause there's actually, you know, four that he focused on but what hogan what 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 really ends up if you read the story is he's just like all of us every time he said that he meant that his practice had revealed something new to him that he'd stacked on top of all the other discoveries that he'd made so the secret was everything that he had discovered through practice. Because practice, mindful practice, creates revelation. Now, it doesn't, sometimes it creates confusion. And, and again, that's the struggle that most people get discouraged about. Like, why am I not moving forward? And what Hogan discovered through his persistence was that confusion would be followed by clarity if you hung with it long enough. And in fact, practice would keep producing new revelations. It was like, it's a gift that keeps on giving. 
And, uh, and that's what I've discovered through, uh, you know, the physical exercise that I've done, you know, be begun doing under coaching, you know, uh, very good coaching uh, over the last three years. And, um, and the very good coaching is n not only kind of explains how the body works and how to exercise, but it also explains that it's okay to step back to an, to, to an exercise that's not as challenging and not feel as if you're falling backwards. So, you know, if, um, if a club or part of your equipment is making the game too challenging for you, it's okay. It would be okay to hit a tennis ball, right? But you guys both said to me in this podcast, yeah, but could you get adults to do that? Well, you know, that would be challenging. Because why? Because, because, because of the way this thing is marketed, you know, mm -hmm. because who plays golf with a tennis ball? Who would go out and do that? Well, only somebody who had transcended sort of normal or ordinary behavior, right, that was smart enough to set the bar and the challenge in the right place for themselves. Yeah, and my... What I wrote down is actually similar to you know, what you were talking what this guy in the book and you were talking about for enjoying golf. Um, on Pete Holmes' latest podcast, he he talks about how he calls it like he called it love, but I think it could be switched to enjoyment. He's like lo love is like a, a mode that you can get in when when you're finally able to shut everything off, like all of the all of the chatter that goes on in your head about like how things like should be different yeah. uh, or ways you're not happy with things or someone has wronged you or this should be different or you should uh, whatever all these shoulds that happen they take away from your well, let's say experience or your enjoyment and so to me it's like golf it's almost like golf in in this way like golf can be seen as a practice that it's like a practice of trying to turn everything off and all of the, like, I need this score to prove something to myself. I need to look good. I need to feel good. I need people to like me. People to try to live out all these things through playing golf. And if you can turn that off, then you can find your, your enjoyment. Yeah. The doctor would say, you know, that you, you might, ex you know, examine that, you know, the, why it is that all these things uh, plague you or rule you, you know, and and that, that that's what that's actually what where life's uh, fulfillment is to be found is like re realizing that all these things that 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 uh, make you unhappy are rooted somewhere, right? So let's understand them, and and. And take the power away from them, because uh, as uh, I think it was, uh, he quotes Jung in there as saying that um, neuroses, you know, are the substitute for, you know, real suffering. 
like going through and facing like why do you feel it's so important you know where does that where does that come from and of course that's a difficult thing so so you know it's it's uh turning off to me means uh lightening up Mm -hmm. about them yeah yeah i um was listening to a podcast a couple days ago um and gary mccord was on it who's He's, like he used to work for CBS. He was uh, growing up. I remember his voice is, reminds me of being a kid watching golf. Um, he was talking about like the best putting lesson he ever got, and he said he ran into Bobby Locke at the uh, Golf Hall of Fame. I don't know, it must have been you know thirty years ago. And he said they were having a drink at the bar, and Bobby was like, "Yeah, you just when you get when you care too much, you stink." Basically, and he's like you won't learn how to putt properly until you don't care about making the putt or don't care in general. And he was, Gary was talking about how it's like, how do you practice not, not caring? Cause I think they went out to the putting green that, that night. And is Bobby Locke from South Africa? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So he, so I guess when he was growing up in South Africa, the grass is really like bushy and the greens I'm sure were really slow. So he has this really in to out like hook putting stroke and he aims, he aims, sets up close to the to the hole, aims the face wherever. And he's like, Gary was asking Bobby, like, well, why don't you aim the face where you're trying to go? He's like, well, that doesn't matter. I just hit it where I'm trying to go with my hands and my body. And it's like, again, back to what he was saying about not caring. I'd be interested to figure out a way to practice not caring because it sounds like the people that are trying to enjoy golf more are just putting too much pressure on themselves. You know, they expect to hit their goals. They expect to hit their scoring goals. They want to break 90, break 100, break 80, whatever it is. And when they don't, as we've talked about many times, they, they're, they're mad. They're sad. They're, they're disappointed in themselves. So I think a lot of people could benefit from caring less. It takes practice. But how do you practice that? I, I, was, I was very interested to figure out. What, I would love to talk to Bobby Locke and figure out how you practice not caring. Yeah. Well, I remember I was in a workshop years ago with uh, Chuck Hogan and, uh, you know, a bunch of other teachers. And at the time, and it's still still around, uh, uh, you know, Pia Nielsen and Lynn Marriott were, you know, in the same uh, workshops with Chuck um, and other, you know, teachers of my generation. And... Uh, and uh, the the subject or the was neuro linguistic programming, you know, and it was uh, a lot of it was like, be careful how you word things because they actually really impact your nervous system in a much more profound way than you'd imagine. So, as a for instance, people that say uh, like kids will do this very often. They say. I used to hook the ball, now I'm slicing it, you know, and now I'm slicing it sounds like a chronic condition, doesn't it? It's not like, oh, I sliced the last two. Mm-hmm. That sounds different, doesn't it? And that's what people do. They have a couple of attempts, and instead of wording it in a reasonable way, they word it in a way that sounds like they've got an illness or sounds like they've had it their whole life. And I always ask them, what, how long have you been doing this? last week (laughs) how's that going for you (laughs) (laughs) so but in any case uh chuck uh you know was talking about uh yip fixes and phobias and they were saying that you know uh you know how can you go from being 
really fearful about something to being confident about something, their uh, hypothesis was you have to go through I don't care before you can get Mm -hmm. and shift it over there. And there was a whole, you know, a whole sophisticated thing about visualize something you do really well and then and then visualize something you don't do very well and don't visualize something you don't care about and they were saying that how you actually visualize it whether it's in color or black and white whether it's large whether it's small whether it's bordered whether it isn't whether it's moving or still you know that very possibly th- how you visualize each of those categories is different and so find that out Mm -hmm. find out how you visualize something you don't care about and then begin to pointedly do that so have i ever done that no (laughs) we have we have actually done some of the things we talk about on this podcast it's not all oh no i don't doubt that did i say that no i'm just no no no, i'm just (laughs) i'm just making a joke it's just it could be uh it's just funny. It's like we talk about We're not all talk. We talk about lots of ideas out there, and so it could be if someone was making fun of, making fun of me or podcast. That would that's how I would make fun of it. Um, um, do you think? I, I think I'm just thinking through these resolutions, things that we made for our students to fill out. And we, one of the things is something they want to accomplish, and it usually is like a scoring goal. And I'm wondering if scoring goals, which were if you were to ask. If you were to poll people and say, are these a good thing? We, everyone would say, yeah, right? Like, it's good to make a goal and to try to achieve it. Uh, um, I'm curious in your, your guys' experience in having scoring goals, because my experience in having a, a scoring goal is, let's say my scoring goal is to break par, and I'm thinking about it a lot. Every time you play golf, one of two things happens. Either you don't get your scoring goal, which then you're sad because you didn't get your scoring goal or you actually do get your scoring goal, but then it doesn't actually like do it for you. You're not that happy with it. And so then you're just sad because you, because you got your scoring goal and it didn't feel as great as you thought it would. So then either way, you're just left disappointed. Yeah. Whether you get it or you don't. Yeah. It's like, what's the point of that? Yeah. That's very good. No, it's very good. I agree. I mean, I agree that, 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 uh, I think that, uh, Scoring goal is, uh, you know, you you need. I would need a process goal because scoring goal would raise uh, something up in me, and that would be that uh, I would want to be able to master my emotions, so that when I got so aroused by opportunity that I wouldn't scare myself out of out of it. And so it would be more about walking with the the excitement of opportunity, right? And and the scoring goal could certainly peak that. I mean, if you if you if you are all of a sudden were in a position to um, to break par, and you started to start started to feel negative thoughts, and you started to feel a, a rush of adrenaline and stuff, that that how you would measure the round would be more like, well, how did I do muscle-wise and process-wise? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good point because I think my, I mean, my, sco- uh, my goal of what I wanted to accomplish this year was to shoot under par with a persimmon, a very clear scoring goal. But now I'm just thinking about it. It's stupid because I'll, 
I'm pretty sure I can do that, and sure. I'm not going to be like that happy. I'll well, definitely it's, talk it's, about it on yeah. the podcast. But you, but best thing you can do after you, um, you make a scoring goal is you, or after you like shoot your good number is you could. Some people post about it online, and but then you're never going to get as many, as many likes as you hope. You know, no one's going to give you all the comments. You know, you imagine, oh, I'm going to post this photo and everyone's going to be like, wow, you're such a great golfer. But no one does that. Um, or you get to tell them in person, but no one no one cares. They don't actually, f- they just feel like you're trying to tell them like, hey, hey, Pete, guess what? I'm I'm really good. Like, I'm good. I'm a good person. Guess <laughs> I'm good, Pete. And and you're just like, what am I going to do with that? You know, so yeah. um, there's not that benefit isn't there. There's no benefit to it. Um, but I know I, when you, you got me thinking now of, I know I'll be able to do it if I can get over the hurdle of, of thinking this would be easier if I had a different club. So like, that's my, so that's kind of the, the monster mm-hmm. I'm, I'm playing wrestling. Yeah. And so, but that's a good one. That's a good reason, very good, good thing to do. Yeah, I'm very good. ready for that. I like that challenge. Yeah, I'm inspired by it. Yeah, it, yes, isn't it? I agree with you completely. How about you? 100. percent I think every time I've played with a sim, and there's been at least one time where I thought in my head, like, oh, I, I could have been hit this par five and two, or I could oh, yeah. have been par in this position. Par five is a big one. Yep. Like it's gonna take a while, cause like for for a long time, I in my head, I'm like, there's no par five that I'm not gonna. If I hit a good drive, that I'm not gonna give, give it a go and get there in two. But now it's like there'll be plenty of times for that. I have to get over that, that hill. Um, it takes some time, but we'll get there. And I think the the under par with the persimmon, that's also my goal. We've talked we talked about that on the, um, resolutions podcast. But it's only one of many goals. It's not sure. like that. I'm not gonna live and die by that that goal. It'll feel good for three hours when we do accomplish that goal, but then we'll get over it. We'll move on. But it's a, I think it's a good, um, it's something to strive for, but it's not the only thing. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's I, I think as long as you have it like you're talking about, as long as you realize that <laughs> that trophy is going to start collecting yeah. dust as soon as you win it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, you need, I think you need the process, the specific process like associated with it. Yeah. The way Pete and I said because or else, that's what everyone said. Not you, but other people. It's like, oh, I have a scoring goal, but that's not the only reason I play. I like to just be outside, you know. But if you shoot a bad round, no one's like, well, at least I was outside. No, they're they're mad. You always default back to the scoring goal. Do you yeah. know what I mean? No, so I like, do. I do. I think it needs to be. I, I, I want to really... feel the air. That's what my one. Yeah, but that's what, what I mean. You're not if that's you shoot. If you shoot. That's... If you shoot. 83 you're not gonna be like well i felt the air we'll see today we'll see. you might but i don't think that's feel my the air. that's that's but my I, process goal though i, I want to go feel through the air that. is close enough connected to because it's not like when you don't feel the air necessarily you play bad i think it's there they could run side by side right but if you could come up with the process that's like specific like what's at what's going to keep you from shooting par with percent maybe you said it's getting over that thing on the par fives where it's like oh i could have hit this one in yeah. two it's not yeah. necessarily that directly tied to the air pot- potentially um yeah yeah because sure. that because um yeah i don't know you're always everyone always defaults to the the score right um 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, I think that, yes, everyone defaults to the score, but the celebration, the unpacking of the round is really the moments. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. We, yeah. we, sorry to interrupt people. We talk, like, I think when we're talking about past rounds that we've played as, yeah. as a group, whether it's you and I, Pete, you and I, Andy, or whoever, we don't talk about the scores. We talk more about like the matches. Like yeah. I remember matches at Spring Valley where Rob made a 20 foot oh, putt downhill that was going full speed when it hit the pole. It was jumps in the air three inches, goes in to tie the match. Like that, I'll remember. I won't remember. I don't remember what I shot that day. But that's what you. I think the matches, the groups, the whatever. That's what you yeah. remember more than. Yeah, and meeting score. the moments. Yeah. Meeting the moments. You're yeah. so right. Like you, we talked before. Like the shots are what you remember. Yeah, I remember sh- specific shots that I've hit years ago, but I don't. I mean, I could probably tell you some scores, but well, still, the shots are, are what hold, stand yeah. the test of time. Yeah, yeah. And, and the fr- and the context is, you know, scoring or match related. You know, it's some form sure. of striving to victory. And of yeah. some kind, uh, and uh, you know, as I, I think I've, I've, I know I've said this before, but one of the, one of the most memorable rounds of my life was one of, was about the worst round of my life, when I was in the middle of the, I think I was on the twelfth hole, and I couldn't think of another good reason to keep on playing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I got 48 on the front, and, like, I'd drawn so many lines, you know, like you do on a bowling yeah. sheet. Like, okay, that's the end of my lousy streak. From here on out, I'm going to be great. And I, every time I'd drawn that line, like, six times in the round, and I sucked every time I got up there. And I thought, in the middle of, like, well, there's no reason to keep playing, I found a reason to keep playing, and that was – to bring everything I had to every shot, even though there was no good reason to do it. And wow. I felt like by the end of the round, I had developed muscle that was going to make me a better player. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, you know, it's sort of like, you know, the, the old idea of like, you know, how do you feed a hungry man? You know, give him a couple of fish or teach him how to fish. And, uh, you know, that's... That's what I look for in the round is like what have I what have I taken away that I can really hang my hat on and the score is is like you know and I save I've I've I have so many scorecards in my basement you can't believe it and I in a couple of them I look at but you know it doesn't it really still gets back to the moments. Huh. Mm-hmm. That's great. All right, guys. Thanks. We've got to we've got to wrap up. Um, I just have some news for you that if you listen back to this podcast, there will be new music. Wow. Oh, yeah. man. We're really messing with the time here because oh. you know the new music will have played fifty minutes prior to like this conversation happening, but also you haven't heard it yet. So it's a real like wait. back That's to the amazing. future type situation. I, I, I hope you enjoy it. It's a little more serious, but a little more epic. But I. Um, <laughs> Peter, I like. I don't think that you will like it that much, because spoiler, it has has a brief. the The only audio is from something you said. No. Oh. Wow. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh. Sorry. You're gonna be you're you're gonna be immortalized <laughs> Immortal. until we change it. Um, <laughs> well, but, that's fine. I'm I'm all for change. Temporarily and, uh, immortal. All right. Yeah, temporarily immortal. That's all I can hope for. All right. Well, thank you. We'll see you next Bye, time, guys. Bye. Before you get off the golf course today, you could have some moments that will change the course of your life.